Welcome to a brand new episode of the Empire of 161 Show, Season 4, Episode 5. Uh, yeah, we're kicking things off with the Jungle by Fred again, which is Anthony Rizzo's walk-up music, if you're wondering. Definitely not a walk-up music, but hey, whatever. If you can have a week like he I, has, I then roll with it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but thanks for joining us on this uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, we appreciate the support as always. If you're joining us on the Facebook live stream, if you're joining us on YouTube or Twitter, appreciate the support over every Foundry Audio Only podcast. Uh, and with me as always is Lisa. Lisa, what's up? Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It is a beautiful Monday here in New York City. Uh, happy day after Mother's Day for everybody that was celebrating, whether you are a mom or you celebrate with your mom or you were just thinking about your mom. Um, I had a beautiful weekend with my family. Ed's got the uh, one version of the Mother's Day hat. Is this what this is? This is from the, wow, uh, this is when they had Derek Jeter Day on Mother's Day that one year. They had a doubleheader Derek Jeter Day one, and I was like, I was at that, so I was like, I have to get this hat. This was, it has the I, I like that patch. one a lot. Yeah, but I don't I, like this year's very much, honestly. I was just going to say, what I didn't like was this year's hat. My sister-in-law, who is a Mets fan, Hated it. Oh, it was horrible! Was so upset. I yes. mean, I thought I thought it was, in general, like a hat to wear. Okay, mm -hmm. not to wear with the, anybody's uniform. It didn't match any team's uniform. So, no. um, but yeah, it was a beautiful weekend here in New York. So I hope people got out and enjoyed the weather because you know you just never know when it's going to consistently stay the same way. It might snow tomorrow. Who knows? Um. <laughs> But yeah, Ed, Ed and I are excited to join you on this afternoon version. We had to be creative because the Yankees have like an 8 million day game streak. Um, so we had to find a creative space and time to do it. So that's why we're here now at this uh, interesting hour of the day. And uh, we're really excited to talk to you about some things. And one of the things I believe we're talking about today was something that we got to go experience uh, last week with our friend Joe. We got to see the Yogi Berra movie. It ain't over. And uh, spoiler alert, Lisa cried. <laughs> Lisa cried hard. All right, good. You said it because I wasn't going to say it unless you said it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I was crying. It was very, it was very, and I'll say why when we talk about it. But we also, Ed and I both also giggled a lot. There were a lot of really cute, fun moments in the movie as well. So we'll get into that later. Uh, but we are going to talk about the two recent series against the Athletics and the Rays. And it wasn't terrible, Ed. It wasn't terrible. No, no, not at all, actually. Not not at all. This, I mean, this week is a little bit more palatable for us. <laughs> no, this was a much better week, actually. Yes. <laughs> this was I'm I'm pretty excited to to talk about this week's uh week in Yankees baseball as well. Um mm -hmm. but uh as as always, uh, during the broadcast, you can show support via for our page by sending us uh, some stars for a digital gift that helps us earn money for Pop Culture Pros, because that's what we're presented by. So come hang out, talk some baseball, and send a bunch of stars, man. That's, uh, 
It's part of the deal here now. Exactly. And who doesn't like a gold star? Come on. It's awesome. I mean, you can just start throwing stickers. No, that doesn't really work. That <laughs> way, but, you know. or, or like stars like the blinking ones like in Mario Brothers, you know. <laughs> um, but actually, let's let's start it off. Let's let's talk about the movie. Let's we'll we'll get it started oh, okay. with that. Um yeah, so as you said mentioned, we did uh get to see It Ain't Over, which is the documentary about Yogi Berra and his life. Uh that was released in theaters last week. And some of us didn't even realize it was like, you know, coming out, honestly, because I just feel like there wasn't a ton of promotion until like the week leading up to it. And that was it. Like that's when I kind of feel like the promotional push when and I get it, like they're not expecting this to be some like Marvel Studios blockbuster or something like that. Like it's a documentary and that's cool. Uh, but I just felt like they could have had a little bit more promotion out there for it. But nonetheless, we did get to see it uh, Friday, which actually was Yogi's birthday. It was. He would have been 98. Yeah, no, which was, it, it was awesome. So I'm really glad we got to see that. Uh, we got to check it out in uh, the Lower East Side any regal Essex crossing over there. Beautiful theater. Very nice so, theater. Very nice theater. Yeah, if you're in New York, you should definitely go check that out because that theater was was pretty darn nice. It was the first time I've been there. And uh definitely plan on going back there because that was it was really cool. So mm -hmm. um but as far as the film goes, it was really well done. I, I really enjoyed it. Lisa mentioned that we, you know, we had some laughs. You know, there was some tear jerking moments that that are in there um as well. Some real like there's a lot of heart to it, but I love the fact of the beginning and end of it, where it comes from, because it comes from a, it feels like it comes from a place like with his granddaughter, who was probably the one who looked like she kind of like took the lead and the reins on this thing, yeah, and Lindsay. yeah, Lindsay Berra, who also has a lot to do with her uh, with the Yogi Berra Museum in New Jersey, uh, which we've talked about going to check out finally because we never we haven't had a chance to check that out so. Maybe, you know, perhaps this summer we're going to all go ahead and make that happen. This shirt is actually a baseballism shirt from the Yogi Berra Museum. You can order it online. Um, nice. So, but, um, yeah, so I love the fact that it comes from a place where it is showcasing Yogi as a player on the field. Because, and, and Lisa, we've talked about Yogi before. And I really just feel like this is something that I've felt strongly about for a while. I, I feel like he's highly underrated as a baseball player at this point in time because of his personality was so big that it took over and superseded him as an actual player. But when you look at him as a player, he was a monster. Like, I mean, he was yeah. a excellent ball player. And I feel like that just gets overlooked a lot. But this, this movie... It sh it sh really shines the light on that. Besides this whole, it shows it showcases whole life. It's not just as on the field, but the beginning and end of it very much drive home the fact that listen, don't forget that Yogi was a great baseball player and one of the most successful runs in Yankee history. So, um, Lisa, what were your overall thoughts on the on the film? So I don't know if you noticed during the movie, I was taking notes the entire movie because I didn't want to forget anything that stood out to me. And I ended up taking uh, what amounts to like three pages of notes in my phone. <laughs> um, but there were some things I knew. I knew that he was in the Navy. I knew that he served in World War II. Um, there was one thing that I knew about him that they didn't mention where they, it was like so quick you missed it. 
about him owning the bowling alley. Um, I had read that. Um, but the things I didn't know, I knew he, I knew he was, you know, like 10 rings, uh, didn't know he was an M the MVP three times. I did not know that. I knew he was a good player. Um, but I didn't know some of the things that made him a really extraordinary player that like, it's really hard to teach or copy that, which yeah. one of his quotes that I love was about uh, something about if you can't, Im if you can't imitate him, don't copy him or something yeah. like that, or it might be yeah. the reverse of that. Um, but one of the things that they said very early on was that his unconventional hitting style was because he had big hands and a quick bat swing. Um, and he said, if you pay close attention, a pitcher gives you his tells, right? So maybe if he's throwing a fastball, he leans in towards the catcher a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, like just something about like you, you can't always see the way he's holding the ball until it gets thrown. Um, but something about his mannerism will give you a clue to the pitch that he's about to pitch. Um, yeah, he would pick up on uh, pitch tipping quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he did that with batters too. He talked about like he would analyze the batters. He would try to psych them out. He would talk to them about things while they were in the batter's box, which I love. Um, so he was like, he was such a smart and, and calculated and attentive player. And I think that's the part of him that gets very underrated. And the fact that when he stopped playing and he, you know, got into like a managing and coaching role, Every team that he worked with seemed to improve drastically. Yeah, no, he he definitely did, and unfortunately, the one where he kind of got the short end of the stick is when he came back and managed the Yankees in the mid eighties, yeah. which you know that was during George's heyday of you know firing people left and right. So on a whim, yeah, and I don't blame him, and I I respect a grudge holder for that long. I'm I'm a grudge holder. I'm Puerto Rican. It's part of my blood. Um, so for him to hold a grudge for as long as he did with George Steinbrenner, I think was well-deserved first of all, because he was right. George should have at least done it in person. I can't believe he sent like an assistant to the assistant to fire him after only 16 games. That's ridiculous. Talk about morale killer on the team. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand the rationale around that. Um, and then for George, like I, I, from what I understand, like Susan Waldman was the one that kind of was like, um, like for George to wait that long and be that proud, I don't know. I, I, that, that was far too long. And then when he came back, he was, I mean, he's, he's, he's been beloved since he first became a Yankee. Um, and you cannot underestimate the boost to a team that somebody like him can provide just because of who you are as a human being, let alone one of the greatest Yankees ever. Yeah, well, during George's, you know, I'll say heyday during the 80s and stuff like that. Um, well, I think also, actually, the whole re Yankee relationship, Yankee fans' relationship with George Steinbrenner is also very interesting because at this point in time, a lot of people, I mean, yes, he's passed away, and sometimes after someone passes, their time gets very romanticized, if we're being completely honest, over time, and yes. the bad things kind of get glossed over. But if we're calling it how it was... George was extremely erratic and he was the one who was extremely stubborn and would fire and was impatient. And he fired Yogi off a limb 
And yeah, I kind of respect him saying, you know, screw it. I'm not going back there. And while George is still the owner and Susan Waldman is the one who goes ahead and kind of got, they got the ball rolling and got them to apologize. And the apology happened like immediately at that point, once they got in, in person, because I don't think I can't, I mean, y'all, Yogi didn't want to do this thing. Like, but he was like, you know, a proud man also. I was like, screw it. I'm going to, both guys were standing their ground right there. Um, yeah, the difference is one of them did it with integrity. I agree. The, the other did not. No, so. agreed. But that's what I think it was. It became more of like a a, a pissing contest in, in some ways at that point. Where, where, as far as where George goes, you know, like George was just yeah. like, screw it, I'm not giving in. Not really yogis, but from George's half, it became a pissing contest. And it was just like, all right, well, if yogi doesn't want to come back here, then screw it. I'm not going to have him back here. And we're going to see who blinks first. And then thankfully it did get, you know, fixed up and everything. And it is incredible that on Yogi Berra day, when he did come back, that that's when David Cohen in 1999 threw his, his perfect game. And it was like the first pitch with Don Larson. Like you just, you can't make that stuff up. Like you just, you couldn't. If they, if, it was, if people didn't witness that actually happen and that was submitted in a movie script, they would be like, no, we're, we can't do that. It's, I mean, no, no uh one's going to buy it. <laughs> so, so Joe Girardi, I think, like always, it was like easy to cry, right? Like very, like emotional, yeah. very in tune guy. But he started tearing up at one point when he was talking about that game, David Cohen's game, because mm -hmm. he asked Yogi, "Would you bless my glove and use it when Darn Larson throws out the first pitch to you?" And then that happened. You know, yeah. I also like that. Um, I don't know who it was. I think it was like one of the writers from. Um, uh, that said it, but they said Don Larson's always the one that's credited with the game, but Don Larson would have told you it was Yogi. Like, he never shook Yogi off. Every pitch Yogi called, he threw. And, and that's what I think a lot of people, it's it's funny that you mentioned it, because it's true. During a lot of perfect games, no hitters and things like that, or even a successful start, the pitcher gets credit, oh, you know, this was David Wells' perfect game, David Cohen's perfect game, Doc Gooden's no hitter. The catcher has just as much to do with it as, as the pitcher does. Absolutely. They're the ones calling the game. So I, I think, you know, it's more in tune baseball fans will say, like, hey, you know, it was them together. And the pitcher is the first one that usually says it. Yeah. Like in the post game, like immediately, like, hey, listen, you know, whatever Joe, whatever Girardi wanted to throw down, I mean, I was there. Whatever Yogi wanted to put down, I would just follow his lead. And that's, it's important. And, Yogi as a catcher, you know, it was was tremendous. And the fact that he was able to put up the offensive numbers that he did while mostly playing catcher, because he did end up playing left field and stuff like that in various other positions later on when he needed to. But as a catcher, the fact that you can put up those numbers was insane. Uh, yes, there was uh, – I can't remember what season it was, and I'm not going to go looking for it now. But there was one season where he had, like, 24 strikeouts. Uh, tw like, he – like – in a season? Yeah. Come on. Uh, and as a catcher, he had 148 consecutive games without an error. I yeah. mean, that those types. And he caught 117 double headers in his career. Do you know how hard it is just to play catcher for 117 games, let alone 117 double headers? And 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 uh, as far as I know. He didn't have any of the health issues that a lot of other catchers have when they get older. 
Well, Yogi would tell you that he was lower to the ground. So. He was sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love when he said that. <laughs> so Yogi's stat line, by the way, just just for, to bring you know more awareness to this. So he had for those of the advanced metrics, he had a WAR of fifty nine and a half, uh, and seven hundred uh, seven thousand five hundred fifty five at bats. He had uh, 2,150 hits, 358 home runs, a career average of 285, uh, 1,175 runs scored, 1,430 RBIs, 30 stolen bases with an on-base percentage of 348, slugging percentage of 482, and an OPS of 830. And again, for more advanced metrics, an OPS plus of 125. So... You had mentioned three-time MVP, Hall of Famer, 10-time World Series champion, 18-time All-Star. So, I mean, the resume speaks for itself. Um, and he definitely should have been, or they should have expanded that greatest living ball player thing that kind of got the ball rolling to five. And Yogi should have been right there with, you know, Johnny Bench and Sandy Koufax and Willie Mays. So, it, it really, really needed to be there. So I'm just, I'm extremely happy that this has been brought to the forefront and gotten, gotten back out there. Cause I mean, he was just, he's highly underappreciated. I actually kind of felt in some ways that Lou Gehrig kind of gets some of that as well, because it's like, Oh, you played with Babe Ruth. And it's like, you know, you're, you know, you were kind of like the, the two guy, when you look at Lou Gehrig's stats, it's his are pretty outstanding obviously as well. One of the greatest ball players to ever live, but so is Yogi Berry. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so the part that made me cry, which Ed knows, um, was when they were talking about his relationship with his wife Carmen and their family. Uh, and more most specifically, I knew he died, you know, I knew he died several years ago, so that wasn't no spoiler there. Um, but when they talked about kind of his last um you know, uh, his last months and his wife died before him and all of his kids swore that he was the one that was going to go first. Uh, the things that he said to her on, on her last day, you know, like it was, it was like perfectly like a yogi thing to say. And it, he made her laugh and, uh, she went peacefully that evening. It sounds like, um, and then he passed as well, but they, it sounds like, had such a beautiful marriage. I'm sure there were obviously ups and downs, which is in any relationship, but you know, like they had a marriage of respect, love, and fun, it seems. Uh, three sons and I think 11 grandkids, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I mean, clearly one of his granddaughters is the one who, you know, like fought for this documentary. She fought for him to get the Presidential Medal of Honor, which, which he finally ended up getting um, post-mortem. I, I think that says a lot about who he is as a human being as well. You know, mm -hmm. very loved and adored by his family, uh, loved and adored by the nation. Um, he, I love what he said. I'm trying to quickly find it um, about his yogi-isms. Oh, the one thing I did not know was that he has eight quotes in like this book of quotes of famous people, which is the most by an American, <laughs> um, uh, which I thought was really cute. But um, I, I think um, a mental health professional that was briefly on it said, uh, yogi is the definition of simplexity, which is taking something complex and making it sound simple. And Derek Jeter says something about it as well. Derek yeah. Jeter said, uh, you know, like, yogi would tell you, if it looks good, swing at it. <laughs> 
and it always looked good to me. So I don't know what to tell you. It, like, you know, for him, he had a better view. Think about it. Think about Yogi Berra compared to Aaron Judge and the view yeah. that both of them get, right? Mm-hmm. So Yogi Berra's view is much shorter and closer to the strike zone. So basically everything in his view is hittable. And that to me makes a lot of sense. Um, and then what I let, I love one of his quotes that he said, you can't think and hit the ball. I can't, he said, I can't think and hit the ball at the same time. Um, I don't know. I, if you think about that, yeah. Like you no, probably- it's true. It's absolutely <laughs> true because yeah. Like if you're thinking about, when you go to hit him, you're thinking about your mechanics and you're thinking about, I don't know, 6,000 different things. You, It's kind of what he's saying. Just simplify it. See the ball, hit the ball. And mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, And it's true. You can't, you can work on a bunch of stuff before, but you can't do that while you're hitting. I mean, you, or you just need to narrow it down to like one thing and that's it. So they all do make sense. Like when you really think about it, it's just simplifying it. And I do love the fact in the documentary where they'll have like, uh, you know, like, like Confucius or Alvarez. yeah, and all this other stuff, and they'll have the Yogi version of it underneath, and it's like, yeah, it's it's it is the same, same thing. thing, same thing, just a lot easier to understand that way. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was another thing I I loved that they that they did here. Um, and you're right, learning about more about his personal life was was really interesting. And he even said too, like you had mentioned, he was in um, you know Battle of Normandy, where it was just like, hey, you know. Like baseball is not hard, you know. War, yeah. you know, that's hard. Baseball is not hard. Baseball is fun. Yeah. So it's true though, but that puts it into perspective. It does, know, and, it and I want to say this too. I think the 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 mindset that he had is the reason why he lived such a long life, too. Like I think he, it seems like you know, obviously we don't know everything, but it seems like he didn't really stress out over things. No. And I feel like when you when you live that way, and I'll be the first to admit it's hard to live that way. I, I'm not saying I do. Um, but when you live that way, when you don't get stressed out about every little thing, especially things that we don't have control over, you're probably going to live a lot longer. Whether yeah. you smoke, drink, eat really bad food, you know, like you'll probably live longer just because you're not sweating all the small stuff. And I feel like that's Kind of him personified. He didn't sweat the small stuff at all. And he found something nice or fun to say about everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess with closing this part is just, you know, if you're a Yankees fan, if you're a baseball fan in general, you should definitely go ahead and check. I would highly recommend this. Go check it out. Catch it in the theater. I always will advocate, you know, seeing the theater it's a, I, I don't know. I just, as also a, a movie lover, I just feel like the theatrical experience does add more to it. Um, so check it out while it's in its theatrical run. If you can, for whatever reason, I'm sure it'll probably be on Amazon Prime or and everything else, you know. Over, or eventually, not, not yeah, or wherever it is, because I think it's, yeah, it was Sony Pictures and they don't really have their own streamers. So my guess is, it was, my guess is Amazon Prime will probably have it. You know, at some point, probably in another month or two or something like that. But it was definitely yeah. worth it. So worth it. It was so much more than just baseball. And for mm-hmm. a certain Met fan out there that likes to tune into our show, they talk about the Mets too. Yes, because they tell Yogi's whole story. So you know, Correct. the Mets are a part of it. The Mets are a part of his story as well. So yeah, highly recommend. Two thumbs up. I was know, just going to say, how many stars? How many stars, Ed? There you go. 
Um, yeah, for documentary-wise, yeah, I would say four, four and a half stars. You know, it's a really good documentary. Like, again, not a movie. There's no actors in it. Or no one's playing Yogi Bear documentary. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check that out. From you, same thing. Two, two thumbs up or whatever it is. Two thumbs up. Nice. Uh, three steps up in a C formation for all of you living color fans. Yeah, four, four, uh, four and a half stars too. I agree. I, I thought it was very heartwarming and charming, and it left me feeling very happy, even though I was crying in the end. And both you and Joe had to check in on me. <laughs> yeah, I um, noticed it. I picked up on it. <laughs> yeah, but it was a happy cry. It was a very happy cry because I felt so connected, and I can't wait to go to the museum. Yeah. Um, and and check out all the other things that they have there. So and uh. The other fun fact, one of his nieces runs a bed and breakfast in his childhood home. Yes, that's right. pretty cool, too. That's right. When I was in, um, one of the times I went to Baltimore, they ha it's not a bed and breakfast, but they have Babe Ruth's childhood home as a museum because he did he was grew up in Baltimore. Yeah. And it's in walking distance from Camden Yards. So yeah. another one to check out with that. But, yeah, I would like to go ahead and, and check all of that stuff out. Next time, next time I'm in Missouri, which... Yep. It does happen. I, it, does happen it, it does happen, it does happen for you. It does happen for me. It does happen for me. So <laughs> I have to make that a, a stop there. Um, all right. So that takes us to the current Yankees. And we will go back to the series against the A's, which was last Monday night, where the Yanks went ahead and took care of business against the A's by final seven to two. Uh, a trend, and I guess something we'll discuss a little bit more after uh, yesterday. Well, you know, this weekend's game. Uh, Nesta Cortez took a no decision, going five innings, six hits, two earned runs, two walks, and four Ks. So not the worst stat line, but not exactly the best either, considering who it was. But Ron Marinaccio did come out of the bullpen to pick up his second win of the season, pushing his record to two and one. DJ LeMahieu hit his fourth home run of the season with two RBIs. Wayne Torres two for four with his fifth home run of the season. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera hit his second home run of the season, driving in two. And if we're going to bash him, we're going to highlight him when it's warranted. Aaron Hicks was one for three with his first home run of the season, uh, driving in two. So the Yanks uh, did get things started on the right foot against Oakland. Yes, and their four home runs in one game was the first time they did so since last September, where they hit five against the Milwaukee Brewers. So Bronx Bombers starting to get the name back a little bit, you know, starting to haven't heard it in a while. Yeah, usually just bash like, the ball. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, yeah, we had a guy who hit a solo shot tonight, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> um, but the Yanks would go ahead and keep things rolling against Oakland last uh, last Tuesday night as they took care of business by a final of 10 to 5. Uh, Clark Schmidt did have his best start of the season, picking up his first win, pushing his record to 1-3. and three. Uh, He went six innings, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. Labor Torres bashed another home run, uh, two for five on a night. Uh, sixth, sixth home run of the season, driving in three with two runs scored. Jake Bowers, one for two with his second home run of the season, uh, driving in three with a walk. And this was the night Aaron Judge did return to the lineup. Didn't get a hit, but still drove in two runs. Uh, Harrison Bader continued to swing in a hot bat. He was three for four with an RBI and a run scored. So, uh, yeah, I did put Judge in the bottom line twice. So that was a Typo on my part, uh, but you get the point. There wasn't two guys named Judge who got two RPIs with the run score. <laughs> you just wanted to say it twice because it was his first game back. It was very exciting. <laughs> it was a very exciting night, you know, in, in the Bronx. 
So I um, will say this because we do always report, give little facts about the other team as well. Jordan Diaz had three home runs against us in this game, uh, which was not so fun, but good for him. He's the third rookie in A's history with a three home run game, joining Mickey Cochran in 1925, and I'm sure you can guess the other one. Uh, Mark McGuire? Yep, 1987. Nice. Nice. Rick was a big Mark McGuire guy. Yes. Um. All right, and the Yanks did complete the sweep last Wednesday afternoon uh, by a final of 11-3, to 3, so definitely picking up the wins where you can get them against Oakland because, I mean, if they're running out like a double-A lineup, that's something you have to do, but wins are wins. Good teams do beat up on the bad ones. Uh, Johnny Brito took a no decision, uh, only lasting four in the third, giving up five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and three stri uh, strikeouts. Uh, Jimmy Cordero picked up his second win of the season out of the bullpen. More on him later. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sorry. Well, no, actually, um, yeah, Garcia. Well, damn it. Davey uh, Garcia. Yes, Davey Garcia. His, his first name was fucking blank to me. Picked up the save and relief going three innings, two hits, one earned run, a walk, and two strikeouts. So they Did are transitioning. No, it was, and it, it, they are transitioning him to a reliever, similar to what we saw with Dylan Batances a couple of years ago, uh, a lot of years ago now. Uh, so we'll yeah. see how that works out. I know, it was, time's flying. Uh, Harrison Bader, though, did pick, uh, hit his third home run of the season, three RBIs, which was a wall scraper that did look like it was it was caught or there was going to be fan interference. I'm going to be honest, amongst the, on the replay, I thought they were going to call fast, fan interference on that. Personal. So I watched the slow-mo mm -hmm. and this is what I saw. Two fans with their one right on top of the other, which is like the baseball equivalent of when you're on the price is right and somebody else says one dollar. Uh very <laughs> annoying that that guy caught the ball. And then the Oakland A's guy was a little bit too if you're watching the screen to the left. I honestly don't think he was gonna catch it. I think he was gonna be a little bit to the left of it. Could he okay. have, though? Yes. But I do think he was slightly off from it, so I think it was still going to go over the wall. I watched every replay they had. That's what I saw from it. No, I, I honestly – I thought they were going to call fan interference, but, yeah, they, they did slow-mo and replay it, flip it around, all the other things to it. <laughs> and, you know, eventually not not the case. So, I mean, that one did stand. Uh, DJ LeMayu hit his fifth home run of the season, uh, driving in two. Uh, Anthony Volpe – it is first Grand Slam and the first Grand Slam for the Yankees this season, which was his fourth home run of the year. So he had four RBIs. Anthony Rizzo was two for four with an RBI and two runs scored. And Anthony Volpe's Grand Slam, which went 419 feet and 107.4 miles per hour off the bat, made him the youngest Yankee at 22 years and 12 days old to hit a Grand Slam at the stadium. So not only was it his first, but he was the youngest to do it. He's got another first ever coming up in the next set of games as well. And for those who want to continue or you know, very, very early on making the Derek Jeter, Anthony Volpe comparisons, Anthony Volpe has now also tied Derek Jeter with career Grand Slams <laughs> because, yes, Derek Jeter had one career Grand Slam, which is so bizarre. <laughs> Such a weird thing, and I do remember exactly when it came. It was a Saturday afternoon against the Cubs in a blowout, and I was like, wow, he's finally done it. So, 
and you could go ahead and run with that if you'd like. Um, so, so he has a chance to be a better hitting shortstop than Derek Jeter, is what you're saying? So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, for those who want to make those comparisons, just go ahead. You, you can run with He's that. got several years to catch up. Okay, folks? Uh, Grand Slam is not ago. the all end all. He's got yeah. a lot of years to catch up to Derek Jeter. Now, if anything, I think the Derek Jeter one Grand Slam is a very quirky stat that I think would jump off the page at a lot of people because it just seems like he always was up with runners in scoring position and stuff. But you would assume it would have happened otherwise, but there was. Yeah, only. I mean, I'm curious at the end of um, his career, which I hope is very long, how many runs batted in he's got. Yeah. Because getting- Derek Jeter always seemed to get people in, whether it was a sack fly um fielders well not fielders choice sack fly or he got a legit hit like Derek Jeter always knew how to place the ball yeah situational hitting was uh was key there um all right so that goes ahead and the Yankees welcomed in the Rays last Thursday night uh which they uh took a beating in this one which wasn't the case early on The, the the Rays went ahead and blew this one open and we'll get to that move in a second but uh Domingo Herman Suffered his third loss of the season, uh, five and two-thirds, three hits, only one earned run, three walks, and three Ks. Uh, Gleyber Torres drove in the only two runs of the game, which were in the ninth when the game was pretty much at hand. Jake Bowers was two for four with uh, two hits on the night. Um, but Aaron Boone, again, going to pull Domingo Herman. The Yankees down one nothing, going to Ron Marinaccio, which – Marinaccio has been really good this season, but again, this is a thing that just keeps happening when Boone can't stop pulling Domingo Herman, you know, early in games, and it just seems or to late keep, in games at or late in games third innings. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not mad at the choice of going to Ron Marinaccio in general because Marinaccio has been good. It's not like he went to Albert Abreu, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, or yeah, Clay Holmes in that situation, but I think in that situation you gotta let Herman roll a little bit. I mean, the guy gave up one run. His pitch count was in good shape still, and he just can't wait to get this dude out of the game. And I understand third time through the order in today's game, everyone wants to go to the bullpen, but I personally will let Herman rock a little longer and then see what happens. And the Rays just blew the blew the gates open, you know. Right and again, we were at that game. Yep. And all I remember from when Domingo Herman was coming out was him cheering with the crowd and being like, "Yes, I'm leaving them in good hands." Yes. Like he was he was happy with the work that he did. They were only down the one. It should not have gotten to the point that it was uh afterwards. And Ron Marinaccio lasted for uh one third of an inning. Come on. Yeah. That. If you're going to bring a guy in, you have to be confident that he can at least finish the inning. I remember one guy yelling uh, in our area, um, you know, like, hey, boo, next time start the inning with him. Because <laughs> now he had to face <laughs> three batters no matter what. Yeah, it was it was, it was a little strange. But I just, I don't know. I just think he's got the quick trigger finger to get to the bullpen a little, a little too much. So Yeah. Uh, the highlight of the night, though, for us at least – was you did get to experience the 99 burger because we got did. there when the gates opened. 
Thoughts on your, your review of the 99 burger? Oh, my gosh. Folks, let me just tell you something. I'm the kind of person that doesn't go to a Yankee game for a burger, right? So I almost never get a burger at the stadium. But Ed was talking about this one, and I was like, you know what? Let's try it. Let's get there early. And Ed and I were very excited because his first experience getting it with Angie was he was like the 99th person to get it <laughs> or high up there. We were number one and two to get it this time around. Um, it was so freaking good. I will say you told me about the two lines. Very, if like we, we saw people getting on the wrong line. Very confusing. They do need to make a sign. Let's go stadium. Just make a sign, one for order, one for pickup, because it doesn't make sense. Um, the staff that worked on the kiosk were very nice. I like them. Yeah, they're cool. They, they were very nice. But that burger, y'all, and, and another thing I never eat is a double patty burger. I finished that whole thing, and then I had a shake later in the game. I definitely yeah. needed to eat salad for, like, three days after. <laughs> um, but it was so good. The caramelized onions, whatever the secret sauce is, uh, everything. How do you say it? Wag, wagyu? Wagyu. Wagyu burger. Yeah. Wagyu meat. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Fantastic. Well worth it. So glad we got there early to get it. So there you go. Another tip, if you're going to try the 99 burger this year at the stadium, try to get there early and try to get there when the gates open and head straight to the 200 section right behind them, just off the uh, home plate and get there as early as possible. And remember, there are two different lines. There are the order line, which is the one on the right, and then there's the pickup line on the left. Mm -hmm. Don't make the mistake. Don't be there. Don't miss half the game waiting for the damn 99 burger. Just get there early and you'll be good to go. And there's a little seating area right over there. But you can chill and hang out there. And it was very time. nice. And if you can't get the 99 burger, get the mac and cheese because the guy that worked that kiosk also looked really nice. And my nephew didn't want mac and cheese on Saturday, so we didn't get it. Actually, I didn't even eat at the stadium at all on Saturday. I just brought a snack. Oh, um, wow. But I will be going to that mac and cheese kiosk because that looked very delicious as well. Well, we got a game next week. There we go. We're get, I'm, so I'm perhaps, getting mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have to do that because they have the Mexican – Street corn style mac and cheese, mm, which I, and I last time I had buffalo us, chicken. Both of us are huge fans of that. Oh my god, it's fantastic! Love Mexican <laughs> street corn. Um, uh, real, real quick, hi not highlight, uh, not highlight for us, no. highlight for people whose names might be Rick because uh, we're still waiting for an answer. Um, but at that game, uh, where Domingo Herman lost it. The Rays were the first major league team to reach 30 wins for the second time in franchise history. The first time they did that was in 2010. Congratulations, Rays, TJ. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the Yanks would go ahead, and the Empire would strike back the next night. Yes. Uh, on Mandalorian bobblehead night, and this dude would have himself quite the game. Uh, Star Wars <laughs> night's always... Did. Star Wars Night is always honestly a blast. I personally, as a Star Wars fan, I do really enjoy Star Wars Night at the stadium every year. It's good to see that they do have that. Um, so, though, Garrett Cole took a no decision. Not his best start, but not terrible either. Uh, better than his last start against the Rays uh, in Tampa last Sunday. Uh, but he went five innings, uh, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and uh, I think it was six strikeouts, which it looks like is another typo here. Get it together, Ed. Uh, Clay Holmes picked up the win out of the bullpen. Wandy Peralta did pick up his first save of the season, 
uh, with striking out two. Anthony Rizzo, though, two for four, two home runs. That gave him eight on the season, three RBIs. Anthony Volpe was two for three on the night with his fifth home run and two RBIs on his own. The Yanks did go ahead and, and they battled back because they were down early. Uh, this was another a seesaw battle uh, mm-hmm. that was pretty exciting, but Rizzo did uh, knock that two-run homer uh, in the eighth inning to go ahead and give the Yanks the lead for good. So, you know, uh, it, it's one thing I'll say is that the Yanks have been fighting back a lot. You know, it yes. seemed like it started with the Rays series when it, previous games, they kind of just seemed like they would fall behind and just kind of roll over. But now getting guys back in the lineup, getting Judge back, getting Bader back, you know, other guys starting to pick it up. So, you know, good to see uh, that. Yeah. Any, anything else on Friday night's game? Yes. Uh, Rizzo, uh, fun fact about Anthony Rizzo after that game, he has hit seven of his eight home runs this year and driven in 15 out of 20 of the runs he's gotten this year at Yankee Stadium. So clearly having a home game means Anthony Rizzo is likely going to do something. He's having himself a hell of a season so far. So, And I, I attribute it to the shift. To the yeah. non-shift, I should say the non-shift. No, he was one of the he was one of the hitters in all of baseball that people were talking about. Like eliminating the shift was going to drastically help, and it certainly has. So, mm-hmm. um, then it takes us to Saturday's game, which was another wild one where the Yankees went ahead and battled back against uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, taking this one nine to eight. Uh, Nesta Cortez, another no decision, four and a third, seven hits, six earned runs, two walks, and three Ks. Uh, Jimmy Cordero picked up his third win of the season out of the bullpen. Juan Peralta picked up his second save in as many days. Uh, Aaron Judge, though, was two for four with two home runs, two two-run homers on the day, uh, giving him eight eight home runs on the season, four RBIs on the day, and a walk. Uh, and Kyle Gashioka is the one who really kind of got things started yeah, with he. his third home run of the season. Another two-run homers, a lot of three two-run homers for the Yanks on the day. Uh, and Oswaldo Cabrera actually knocked in a go-ahead run, uh, going one for two with two RBIs on the day. Um, another one where the Yanks were down early, fast again. Uh, Nestor Cortez, though, not all, and the numbers aren't looking too great, you know, this season. No, and I hope that that uh, balances out soon um, because that's my boy. Um, I was really excited. I was at the game with my nephew. It was uh, his first game of the season, and I got to take him um, after coming home from college. And I got to say, um, I was tired. It was hot. Uh, I had been out late the night before watching the Knicks game and uh, other stuff. But um, it was hot, and there was a point where my nephew went to go get something to eat, and I, yeah, I nodded off on my chair because the, the Yankees were down. Um, and then Aaron Judge hit his first home. I know Higgy hit the home run first, and I woke up <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh hey. Uh, and then Aaron Judge went ahead and hit his first of the two home runs. The fifth inning was very exciting, but the sixth inning, Anthony Volpe stole second base, stole third base, and then he scored on a throw error. Oh my God. And he became the first Yankee. This is where I was telling you uh, that he got another first. The first Yankee to steal 13 career bases without being caught. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a huge weapon, and he he really diversifies this offense when he's able to get on because I mean he's pretty much running at will. Yeah. So you know, and also he was dropped down to seventh in the order, 
uh, over over this series, which I think was some. Not that he was he was terrible at leadoff, but <laughs> I think letting the kid get a chance to continue batting at the bottom of the order right now probably the way to go. You know, not but you know taking a little pressure off at a leadoff spot. He'll be back up there. I still think that's where he slots in permanently uh, once he yeah. gets his feet wet more. You know, in the majors. I think I think they moved him there a little a little too early considering he just, you know, uh, started in the majors. Um, I thought it was interesting that they put Jake Bowers into lead off. Uh, I think it was, I think it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was his first time ever leading off in the game ever. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get to Sunday's game then. Um, which the Yankees did drop by a final of eight to seven. Another game where, you know, they dropped behind, they came back, then they took a lead, then they fell behind again. Um, and uh, another interesting pitching decision by Aaron Boone in this game, but Clark Schmidt took his fourth loss of the season, uh, only lasting four and two-thirds, uh, six hits, seven earned runs, three walks, and five Ks. Uh, Cabrera, though, three for four with his third home run of the season, driving in two with two runs scored. Anthony Volpe was two for four with his sixth home run of the season, driving in two. Anthony Rizzo hit his ninth home run of the season, also driving in two. And Aaron Judge added an RBI single of his own. Uh, also, Aaron Judge, though, came up with two outs, down one, bottom of the ninth, left center field warning track. Off the bat, I can't say that I didn't think he got it. Apparently, Jason Adam thought he definitely got it because he threw his head down immediately and thought the game was tied. And it was just – he just missed it. He just got under it, but – with Aaron Judge's strength, I mean, I think he can just drive it out. You know, he's going to get more of that than most hitters are going to. Um, so, sucks. But, again, the, my takeaway of this is Yanks are just fighting back, especially against the Rays, who, you know, got off to such a tremendous start. So, it is encouraging to see the Yankees taking it to them. And mo all, what, did they, what was it? It was pretty much every game has been decided by one run this season. So, outside you of Thursday, my last fun fact. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Six out of seven games that they've played this season have been decided by one run. Yeah, yeah so when they go head-to-head, -head, I mean, the Yanks has got to go ahead and take care of business like we'll get into in a minute uh, against uh, the Blue Jays. The AL East is it, it's, the, it's the best division. division in baseball. Yeah. It is. No excuses, though. Yanks still got to find their way there, you know. But I think the Red Sox will come back down to earth a little bit. I think they're playing Ooh. a bit above their heads. Uh, the Orioles, I think, are for real, though. The Orioles have been coming. They were coming on last season. So can't say that. Jays, also a team that seems like, you know, they have a, a young nucleus, a, a really good offense, but the pitching really hasn't caught up with them. Um, but what I was kind of puzzled about is Aaron Boone going to Albert Abreu in a tight game with the bases loaded against Taylor Walls. Seemed like a very strange decision right there, and Walls hits do, the grand slam. He he. Um, oh well, what, Walls hits the grand slam, but at least Albert Abreu went two and a third innings, and his line looks a lot better than Clark Schmidt's. Well, I think that was the that was the issue, is and I wanted to. I did save this because Katie Sharp, uh, the credit to her on this. So she tweeted this out yesterday. Albert Abreu has now allowed eleven of sixteen inherited runners. Oh. to score, because remember, that doesn't get charged to his ERA. So that's why I think his numbers look a lot better than what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, that's 69% of runners scoring 
inherited runners over the last two seasons. Okay. The major league average is 33%. He's allowing 69%. So that's where, you know how they say like numbers don't lie? This is a situation where numbers can lie because you're right. You look at Alvaro Abreu's stat, his numbers on the season, oh, he's been pretty effective, you know. He goes to four straight change-ups against Taylor Walls. Yeah. When his best pitch is his fastball. You, you can't. can't. You're waiting. For, you're, you're just you're dying for it to happen. Each, and Kay had mentioned this on a broadcast, and it's true. If you're going to keep going to it, each changeup needs to be better than the last. Mm-hmm. And if you go and hang a changeup, it's basically a BP fastball. And Walls treated it as such by, by knocking it out right there. I, I don't know. I as he did should. Not like, <laughs> as he should. So I just don't like the the move of going to Albert Abreu. And I get the Yankees bullpen was taxed yesterday, but we we, we could have had better. I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You could have done better. So I've never been an Albert Abreu fan. So I think, yes, I, I see what they see in him, high 90s fastball and everything, but it's not there. It's just he's a low-leverage mop-up guy, in my opinion. It's just mm-hmm. what, it, what it is. So, But them, knowing Cashman and Boone, they'll point to the stats – on the season, but like that's a number that for such an analytically driven team, I'm sure they have that number about the inherited runner score. So, all right, whatever. Uh, so that goes <laughs> on. It just really pissed me off. Like, I just was like, it was such a great game that it just didn't need that. It didn't need to come down to that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that moves us on to Yanks got another big series starting off in Toronto. Beginning tonight, uh, and let's go ahead and get that. All right, so uh, Lisa, what do we got as the pitching probables coming up? Okay, so as of five seconds before this podcast went live, we still don't have a couple of names on here. So my apologies on the to be determined on the Blue Jays part because the Yankees posted their guys. Um, although they posted today's starting pitcher five seconds before this podcast, so. Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays will be uh, starting off tonight. He's a right-hand pitcher, 1-3 record, 4.83 ERA, and 32 strikeouts. He is going to um, – this is this is interesting. Uh, a play against Jimmy Cordero is going to start the game for us. Uh, Ed thinks he'll go probably two innings. Let's see what he does. Hopefully he can get us at least two innings. Um, what's say it again? Bullpen game. game tonight for the Yanks. Yeah, so Jimmy Cordero is a right-hand pitcher, three and one record, two point eight one ERA, and seventeen strikeouts on the season. You know what? He looks good though. <laughs> in his in his size medium jersey. In his medium jersey, it looks good on him. So I wouldn't mind watching him start the game. Um, oh, and I for, oh I forgot to say something. I got to rewind for a minute. Nestor Cortez's cleats. I texted him. <laughs> Marvel does not approve, apparently. Marvel doesn't she's like just, the green cleats. No, she's not. She doesn't, <laughs> she's usually more of a traditional colored cleat person. Um, I wanted to say that because um, Nestor Cortez, who knew he owned a racehorse? I didn't. I, didn't I, learned, I learned it when I saw Souls by Sir posting his cleats. Those cleats were in honor of his racehorse who was running in a derby. I can't remember what it was. Um, anyway. Tuesday night, tomorrow night's game, uh, Kevin Gaussman is pitching for the Blue Jays. He's a right-hand pitcher, 2-3 and three record, 3.38 ERA, and 67 strikeouts on the season. He will be playing against Domingo Herman, 
right-hand pitcher, two and three record, 4.0 ERA and 47 strikeouts. Hopefully, whenever Domingo leaves the game, somebody else doesn't blow it up for him. And don't um, go, don't have the quick hook. Boom. Don't have the, maybe give him like one or two extra guys just in case. All right, Aaron Boone, thank you. Do not be um, do not be Captain Hook. <laughs> um, on Wednesday the seventeenth, we don't know who's pitching with the Blue Jays, but we do know that whoever they are, they will be playing against Garrett Cole, right hand pitcher, five and zero record, two point two two ERA and sixty two strikeouts on the season so far. He's our ace. Um, so we'll see what happens there. We'll see who they put there. And on Thursday in the fourth game of the series, we also don't know who the Blue Jays are going to be pitching yet, but they'll be playing against Nestor Cortez. So stay tuned for the update about his cleats that night. Um, he's a left-hand pitcher with a three and two record, 5.53 ERA and 42 strikeouts on the season for Nestor. All right. So things, yeah, things to look out for. It sounds like the first two games, um, soon we're going to see a lot of Jake Bowers against two right hand or two righties going for the Blue Jays. Probably see some Willie Calhoun as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be my guess there. Oswaldo so Cabrera on the left-hand side. Yeah, Oswaldo, who's also picking it up. Like, yes. He is starting to get it going here. So hopefully Boone will keep on riding the hot bat right there as well, even though I know analytics don't believe in hot or cold. Common sense needs to prevail and say just get, let him let the kid keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then TBD, you know, you never know who, who you want to go ahead and throw out there against TBD, so. TBD is very tricky, as right. we've learned over as we've learned over the years. <laughs> um, all right, so that brings us to our awards of the week. Uh, we will get things started with the top of the heap hitter of the week. I will kick things off with that one. I knew and you were gonna. You knew that because we didn't I talk. Pretty, about it. I'm pretty sure I know who you're picking. Yeah, come on, I'm going Anthony Rizzo here. I mean, that was a given exactly. Last seven games, he's hitting 444 with a 500 on base percentage, 815 slugging, uh, three home runs, seven RBIs, three walks, only five Ks, and 12 hits over that span and 10 runs scored. The monster night on Friday night, you know, against against the Rays and that comeback win. So he's been tremendous this season, though. He, he really has. So hopefully keep that going. And he can also lead the way against the two righties, you know, coming up over the next two nights against the Blue Jays. Um, Lisa, who's your hitter of the week? Same as you. Anthony Rizzo. Yep. This is the way. The Mandalorian. <laughs> or, as it is for Star Wars uh, Day a couple of weeks ago, this is the May. This is the May. This is the May, yes. Because they're, you know, you get it. It's May, I, May the 4th be with you. Mm-hmm. So, um all right, so that also goes to the King of the Hill pitcher of the week. This one should be interesting. Lisa, who are you going with this week? So, Ed, I have stepped out of my comfort zone and picked the reliever. And I might be the same person as you because you're making that face. Go ahead. Or are, you, or are you happy that I did that? No, I'm actually happy you did that. I'm glad you went with a reliever. So now I'm curious. I mean, I, I also went with a reliever as well, So so go for it. Okay, well, our reliever is our starting pitcher tonight. That's who I picked. I picked Jimmy Cordero. Jimmy. Yep, Jimmy. So over the course of the last seven days, he has a zero ERA. He pitched three and a third innings, uh, two hits, zero runs, zero walks, three strikeouts, a .60 whip, and a one point, and a .167 batting average against him. 
So, you know, hopefully starting this game, he can continue to kind of show a lot of strength and keep the Yankees floating. As uh, as uh, Ed said, it's going to be a bullpen game for us today. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there's some big hitters on the Blue Jays. We'll see where that leads us with his start. Who did you pick? All right. So not the same. I went with Wandy Peralta. Picking up, picking up his first two saves of the season. Yeah. Um, it's something interesting, though, is that we talked about last week is the pecking order in the, in the Yankee bullpen. It has definitely changed over the course of the week. Clay Holmes That's is not crazy. the guaranteed closer anymore. It definitely seems like a closer by committee, which is what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we'd personally like to see, and that's what's happened. He's going on matchups, and let, let's see who was going to take the reins of being a closer. And it lined up where Wandy was the guy. And we had mentioned Wandy. Wandy has the makeup for it. Yeah. The mindset. I just don't know if he necessarily has the wipeout stuff to be a closer, but screw it. If he's the guy who has, you know, the the makeup to do it and he you know you got to have pretty much ice water in your veins to be a closer it's, it's really kind of what it is nothing can phase you and he i mean we're still talking about the guy who was punching himself in the jaw a little bit you know was the last season season before that so yeah. i'd say he's definitely got it he's definitely hyped up to do it so good to see boone adapting after enough people screaming about clay holmes so just continue to see that so my Picture of the week is wonderful. All right. Before we end things and you you tell everybody all the ways that they can join oh, yes. uh, us in, in the Empire 1611 show and uh, just pop culture pros, I want to say that my niece gave me quite possibly the best Mother's Day gift in the world. So I'm not a mom biologically, uh, but I am an aunt and a godmother and very invested in the lives of all the kids in my lives, in my life. So my niece, who looks like me, everybody thinks she's my kid, uh, is super dope, always has been, uh, and this makes her even doper. I think I know what it is. You know what it is? Oh, you saw, you saw, you saw. If you haven't seen on our Instagram page, my niece got me Giancarlo Stanton socks for Mother's Day. And she said, and I quote, Didi, I saw them and I had to get them for you. And I knew you were going to love them. And she was right. I love them. I'm going to have Giancarlo Sands' face on my feet. And that's the closest I'll ever get to him without a restraining order. <laughs> All right. So are you going to go with these Stanton socks for our game next week? No, it's probably going to be too hot for that. Like maybe in September I'll wear them. Are they like crew socks or like baseball socks? No, they're, socks? they're like, uh, oh, uh, wait, crew. Yes, they're crew socks. They're not ankles oh. or anything like that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're like the ones that you pull up and, um, after a certain time of the year, I'm all about open toed and oh uh, yeah, I'm all wearing slides as much as humanly possible. So yeah, so so you probably uh, maybe I'll wear them for our next po- uh, podcast and okay. show you all. Okay. But I mean, you can't get me a better outside of getting me him. <laughs> you can't get me a better gift than that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that earlier on Facebook, and I was like, "That's awesome. That's awesome." <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for us this week. Thanks for joining us as always. If you joined us on Facebook, be sure to check out the Empire 161 
show group where we show highlights and lineups and a bunch of all the stuff that don't make the show. So you can go ahead and check it out and join us on that. Uh, also check out Pop Culture Bros, because that's what we're presented by. PopCultureBros.com. Uh, you can check it out on YouTube. Subscribe to Pop Culture Bros. And on Twitter, you can follow at Pop Culture Pros, but you can also follow at Empire161Show. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow at the underscore empire underscore 161 underscore show and check us out on instagram so a lot of cool stuff going on there as well a lot of fun facts and everything else um so yeah we'll be back next week as well we'll be talking about the week that was in yankees baseball uh, we will be posting exactly when that will be most likely back in our usual time slot um, uh, should be a good week, though. Big series coming up against the Blue Jays, and then the Yanks go to Cincinnati next weekend. Next Sunday, the Peacock game, 11.35 start. Yes. Breakfast with the Bombers. <laughs> or brunch, for those of you who believe in it. Like Thank you. <laughs> if that's your thing, Dr. Um, We will see you next week. Let's go Yankees. Peace. Bye, everybody.